and welcome to The League Life, episode 13. My name is Sam Schnazzy. They call me Schnaz. I'm here with Nathan Brooks. We call him Brooksy, amongst other names, which we'll get to later on. Brooksy, how you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm good, Schnaz. For what happened on the weekend, I'm pretty good. Obviously, a few things happened between us with our little rivalry, but I'm pretty good. I've, I've had a pretty good weekend. How about yourself? Busy working at Fox Sports, looking after my little fella Chester, getting out to a game... Had a pretty good week, but yeah, life's pretty crazy. You got to tell you, pretty crazy. As I mentioned, my weekend, you know, was pretty good. I ended up um, having a couple of days off before it started. Got through most of House of Cards. I'm two episodes short. God, it's good, Schnaz. I can't wait till you start watching it so we can talk about it. I'm already delving into conversations with people on Twitter and Instagram even. So you had some feedback? Which is good. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's yeah. enjoying it. They're, most people are waiting for me to finish so we can uh, debrief about it. Well, but, let's uh, give another shout out. Anyone watching House of Cards, tweet us. In terms of people that have watched the show, I think this is one of the better seasons. One and four have been absolutely amazing. But two and three... People have talked it down, but it really sets up where we're at at the moment. So, yeah, get on it as soon as you can, Schnaz. Also, I guess on the weekend, I, I'm pretty happy with my uh, fitness regime at the moment. I bought some Nikes on East Bay. Nikes? Or Nike. What is it? Well, you're the basketball aficionado between the two of us. You've got to know. I think we're in a bit of a Neve Nev Campbell situation again. If anyone knows the actual pronunciation of the, the word Nike slash Nike, um, let us know. What a campaign. Nev wearing Nike yeah. or Neve wearing Nike. Wow. Well done. Yeah, I think that's I think that's got some legs as well, Schnaz. She sure does. <laughs> so anyway, I was I, I bought my Nikes and I've started doing this this run. And um, I go down from where I live at Freshie to Manly. I end up at Shelley Beach as my halfway point. And I, I decided to smash an espresso on ice halfway through the run. And I'm, I'm looking on my app and I'm setting PBs. Like I'm setting the best ever runs I've done from Manly home. Do you attribute that to the ice coffees? I think it's the shoes and I think it is the coffees. I... I don't know how to drink coffee. Like, I've got a cappuccino here. I'll have a flat white later on. I just don't know which one, which, which is the best coffee. What's your favorite coffee? There's only one for me. It's a long black. A That's long all I black. Have. A Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Look, if you want fitness tips as well, apart from House of Cards banter, speak to me. Don't worry about Michelle Bridges and, and her commando boyfriend partner guy. Why is he called Commando Schnaz? Is it because he doesn't wear underwear? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Is he in the army? he in the army? I think he wears pants. He wears army pants. Is that why the whole army drill kind of thing? You know, get down and give me ten push-ups. That kind of thing. All oh, right. So I thought, like, if you start wearing your your army pants, I can start calling you major or sergeant. But yeah, and ob- obviously Sunday was really good for other reasons. I had to work. I had to work Sunday. I was, at, I was at Newcastle for the A-League game up there, the Jets Wanderers, and I did like the road trip up from Sydney to Newcastle via the Sunny Coast, mm-hmm. which was amazing. So I don't know if you're going to head up for a Knights game this year. I'm not too sure if the Sharkies are heading up there, but I, I turned off at Gosford. I went through McMaster's Beach. I went through Catherine Hill Bay. It was awesome. I suggest anyone doing it from Sydney does that drive. It's probably a great way of seeing the coast north of Sydney. Brooksy, you're really spreading yourself out here. Not only are you podcasting, doing stats, looking great, you're also offering travel and fitness advice. Yeah, I think this is this is where the podcast is heading, Schnaz. I, I reckon we just scrap the rugby league part and just talk about our lives. Everyone's interested in well, it. Well, we've done w- well so far. <laughs> Sunday was fantastic, my friend. Was it possibly one of your best days of 2016 so far? It was, yeah. It was fantastic. Look, I'm going to take my hat off to you. I have nothing to say in with regards to the game. Congratulations on the win. 30 Thank to you. 2. Thank you. It was What a shellacking. It was comprehensive after about 20 minutes. Um, fantastic atmosphere. I've got to say that. The place hasn't been rocking like that for a number of years. Full house. Quite a few Dragons fans. Probably uh, two, 3,000 Dragons fans at least. The game was quite intense in the in the defense department and the kind of the clashes and the crowd really were brought into that and it was a really loud atmosphere and then the sin bin i mean for those who didn't see the game 
Jason Nightingale is running at full pace, which unfortunately these days isn't that fast. Probably not as fast as me on the back end of the uh, manly home run. Well, I'm going to say you without the ice copy, probably. Yeah. So Saifeki runs him down, saves a try, and then gives away a penalty. And it's an automatic 10 minutes in the beer. We can cop that. He takes a long time to walk off. I got the standing ovation happening in the upper ET. I was so wound up. I got everyone up on their feet. Because Fecky looked like he was so sad and upset that he'd given away this penalty. Left his team to um, 12 men. For some reason, your team took about a minute to decide what to do. And then they went for goal. And the Sharks fans just started laughing. Because we all know it was such a ridiculous move. At nil all, on the ropes, the Sharks... Down to 12 men. Widdop takes maybe two minutes to kick a goal. Maloney takes a minute to kick off because he's got to find just that sweet spot to kick off, you know, yeah. down to 12 men. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think you guys had a set. We had a set. We got a penalty. We had a shot for goal. Fecky comes back on. And it's even Steven still. The Sharks go berserk. Chad Townsend is home. Game over. Y- you can't blame the loss on that, right? But it was a massive turning point. Russell Packer was really good for you guys. Huge meters, um, really good hit-ups. And Benji looked pretty dangerous in, in some situations. He was your go-to man. And he had shades of 2005 Benji at Shark Park. He really was tearing it up a little bit. But they lost that momentum, as I said. And Townsend was absolutely amazing. Career-best game and a great time to do it. And on the back of that, the Sharks just went really, really full-blown and... and you weren't really in it after after half time. They scored three tries in seven minutes, and that was it. You have a look at the numbers for the Dragons. Schnaz, 18 errors. Their completion rate was 55%, and they only had that one line break of uh, Benji running up the middle to Nightingale, which they didn't obviously get much out of. So they didn't, they didn't convert their opportunities at all. <laughs> I was really impressed with Andrew Fafida. He was massive. I think he outran Armel and Packer combined in the match. Yeah, it's it's a strange one because all summer, Sharks fans, including myself, have been obsessing about Andrew's play the ball and errors and, and discipline. And we still are worried about that. But he's had two strong games now, and he was close to the best player on the field. And then he made one error, and it wasn't even like a kind of stupid one. He just made an error, and the whole crowd just groaned. And Except for me, I was like, that's not fair. This guy's just giving you everything, and he's made a mistake. So it's funny how you can get that reputation, and then even when it's not even a, a bad one and it's not at a bad time, you're winning by 30, you make a mistake and it's like, oh, he's had a bad game. No, he was one of the best. But that's a good thing. I think that if the fans are still riding him, he's going to still continue to put up those performances. Let's say the fans don't do the groaning. He knows, oh, I've had a good game. You know, I can, I can ease up. But if the fans keep on top of him, we could be seeing a really good season out of him. And, you know, he's going to be key for origin for the Blues. So... You know, it was a great game for the Sharkies, I must admit. Nearly 18,000 out there, like as you touched on. Great atmosphere. It's a full house, Brooksy. They're, they're talking about 22,000 ground record, but the capacity's been reduced massively. You, you wouldn't have fit 1,000 more in. Maybe 500, but it was full everywhere pretty much. It looked amazing on TV. Yeah, great vibe. Afterwards, you're obviously celebrating. Did you join other Sharkies fans in the car park urinating or attempting to urinate on Dragons players' cars? Look, I wasn't aware of the situation at the time, but I'm not going to rule out anything. I never say no to anything, Nathan. In all seriousness, uh, there was some some issues at the ground. That was one that came out later on, and it's inexcusable. I saw... Some drunk uh, teenagers, I'm saying teenagers, they look like they were 14 or 15, in Sharks jerseys, couldn't handle their alcohol, and they were actually abusing a cop, and the cop was kind of putting up with it, and there were massive beer lines, which has actually become a problem, and the club has released a statement to all the members, an email statement, and queues of up to sort of 35, 40 minutes, reminiscent of the KFC incident years ago. In all seriousness, there were massive beer queues. So I don't know what the problem was, but I'd suggest you won't be seeing that again. Is the KFC incident that you're referring to the one where the lady lined up for 80 minutes, pretty much the full game, to try and yes. get a two-piece feed or whatever it was? It was a Red Rooster or KFC? It was Red Rooster. Red Rooster, yeah. yeah. And she wanted a strip-sub combo, and she called up one of the radio stations. And people were like, why did you line up for the full game? You missed one of the Derby victories. I had someone email me 
with my other representative duties at the Sharkcast podcast. Um, we had a number of complaints which we've addressed in this week's episode, but someone said they lined up for 40 minutes and they missed the three tries. And, I, you know, I understand you want to be here. I wanted to be here too, but you, you're there to watch the game. You might have to put that on the advertisement next time the Dragons come. You know, full house, you know, great beer lines. You might not get your food in the, until the second half, you know. Like, but, yeah, in all honesty, I take my hat off to the Sharkies. Like, great performance after a somewhat unlucky round one loss. The Dragons are now 0-2. Yes, uh, thanks for bringing that up. Your new name from here on out until you win is Owen. 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 Owen, Owen Brooks. Owen too, mm-hmm. yeah. It's got uh, a good ring to it, Owen Brooks. <laughs> it's not looking too good. We've got the, the Rabbitohs into the Panthers, into the Cowboys up at Townsville. I could be Owen heading into uh, April. Now, speaking of Owen 2 and 2 and 0, Brooksy, we've got a number of teams that are 2 and 0. Canterbury, Brisbane, South, Canberra, the Storm and the Tigers. And I've got to say, credit to all of those teams. They've all obviously been the best teams so far in the comp. And a special shout-out, which we'll get to, to the Tigers. They're, they're playing really attractive football. Um, but, Brooksy, who do you like out of that mob? Like, they're all, they're all been pretty strong. Yeah, I think Canterbury and South have probably been two of the better performers of the six, just slightly. I Canberra to be 2-0 and after the injuries that they've had, that's the most impressive for me uh, in terms of, you know, the situation that they've been put under. Well, they lost their halves and they come out and beat the Roosters. They lost Lachlan Croker and Fensum against the Roosters, and they lost their halves against Penrith the week before. They're just like Fensum went off in the first 10 minutes, Schnaz, and he gets through a mountain of work. And the big thing for me in that game, I was having a look at some of the numbers because I thought the bench played amazing for the Raiders when they came on. How are these numbers? This is Soliola, Vaughan, and Lima off the bench. 45 runs for 456 metres, six tackle busts and 86 tackles. Like, they got through a mountain of work against a Roosters pack which stepped up from week one against the the Rabbitohs. They were looking like they could have potentially been 0-2, you know, by the end with all these injuries. But to be 2-0, they've already won two home games when they only won three last year. That's a big A-plus for me from the first two rounds. They, you know, they they pretty much, you know, had two close wins, but with all those losses, it's an amazing effort. They had Joey Leilua in the sin bin for 10 minutes of the Roosters game as well for something that needs to be stamped out of the game. But it's just... It's just you have great... to think, Brooksy, they're not going to have, and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of origin representatives, right, during the year? No, well, it depends if they keep stepping it up. But, yeah, the... I'm not suggesting they shouldn't be rewarded, but what I'm saying is historically, you look at that Canberra team, there's not that many that might be automatic conclu- uh, inclusions, which means they're going to have a stable lineup throughout that yeah, period. if they don't get injuries, then they're going to be, you know, going through the Oof. mid-year you know, with a pretty good record. And we sort of touched on it the last few episodes where Laurie's sort of already picked his team. They're not going to have like four guys out. It's not going to be like the Melbourne Storm of the past 10 years where they've got at least four guys out. It's it's going to be interesting to see how Canberra play out. I, there's been reports of them having a good season, like Joey's come out that he likes their chances of making the top four. A lot of things that comes out <laughs> that come out of his mouth is uh, pretty loose. Like there's a lot of statements flying around. That's probably one of the best ones he said in recent times, and I, I think it's true. I think they could be uh, they could be in the. I, I definitely think they could be in the finals. It's West Tigers surprise packets of the year so far. Most people thought they would be close to the wooden spoon. It's only two weeks in. They still might be. But playing a really attractive attacking brand of football, I'm not sure how long and how far that will take you in the competition we have. But hopefully, you know, long and far because I love the way they're playing. Uh, and, and for me, guys like... I mean, Mitchell Moses have an incredible season so far. But guys like Kevin Naguama really stepping up. The outside backs that are kind of... They're not fringe first graders, but they're not on the high money. But they're really, really cementing their positions and allowing guys like Woods and Brooks and Tedesco, obviously, to do their thing. 
so, so it's a really stable, um, strong lineup without being superstar driven, aside from the obvious two or three. Yeah, like Moses has been starting games on fire. Like he just he's getting the ball out on that right side. They've scored most of their tries down there, Schnaz, and he his creativity has been amazing. Like you know when they got the turnover. Remember when you saw Nate Miles? He bobbled the ball over his head. Brooks got it out to Moses. Moses chipped over to the corner on the zero tackle. You know, it's it's having the vision to be able to do that. He's been amazing. I was having a look at his stats from back back into 2015. He's now got 11 tries in his past nine games, and he's had four in the first two this year. So he started off really nicely. And Tedesco, what a game he had. He's got five tries in the opening two rounds, Schnaz. Oh, he's a superstar, and... We've said it all along. If he's injury-free, which we hope he is, he's going to be, you know, the one player in the comp that the kids look up to and big kids like us want to go see and pay the admission to go see Tedesco. Tedesco's coming to Shark Park. I've got to be there, you know. I hope he doesn't cut loose, but if he does, wow, look at the stuff he's doing. I also think Brooksy on the coaching situation that no one's really talking about, but Jason Taylor needs to get some credit because he's obviously allowing these guys to release the shackles, as I like to say. Last year, they played a very formulatic kind of, you know, five-up, kick-the-ball brand of football. Now, I'm not sure if that changes with when Robbie comes back. Robbie's, you know, pretty old school, and, and he's got a very familiar way of playing. But if he can adjust to the way the young kids are playing and almost get that 0-5 feeling, they're a real shot of doing something really good this year because rugby league has become so formulatic I know I keep saying that word but this year so far it's been a lot more of an open game right you agree yeah definitely more spectacular tries it might have something to do with the subs it could be just maybe they just want to play a more attractive brand of football but the Tigers are the ones really taking it to home and 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 it's a complete opposite to what Jason Taylor wanted last year so maybe he maybe he has seen the light in the offseason going well my job's in the line here we've been predicted to come last or second last what can we do oh well we've got these amazing young players who love playing this ad-lib football maybe i'll let them play it it's interesting to see that you touched on it there before shanaz with farah what he does when farah comes back i think that's going to be a major decision that he has to make going forward because they've had good service out of dummy half from hallatow and Charrington in terms of getting the halves the ball and especially late in the tackle count and I don't know if that's going to happen if Farah's hooker, but we'll see what happens. This is this is the exciting thing for Tigers fans to see how Farah blends in with this team that's doing so well. Mind you, they're two home games. They've won both home games, albeit against the Warriors and Manly, who have been tipped to do quite well this year, pre-season. So it'll be interesting to see once they get a few away games in their schedule to see how they take those road trips on. Much like the NRL media who get on the bandwagon early. It's the same for fans. It's hard not to. We can only base the year on the last two weeks. But, I mean, Newcastle last year were, what, 4-0? and and then, and then they had a disastrous year. So we're not putting these teams in the finals necessarily yet, but they're, they're doing great. They're doing much better than a bunch of Owen teams, which you know about, Brooksy. We've got the Knights, Drags, Panthers, Warriors, Seagulls, and Roosters. All 0-2, and, and some of those are a bit surprised. Yeah, Warriors and Seagulls touched on before. Obviously, both of them lost to the Tigers. Uh, Panthers been in a couple of close games. You know, that, that's been a bit unlucky. Panthers fans can be pretty confident that they might pick up the pace in the next few weeks. But yeah, the, as you mentioned, the Knights didn't look too good against South. South absolutely steamrolled them. Um, obviously, the Dragons didn't look too good, two points against the Sharks in round two, and the Roosters were a bit unlucky not to get the the win there in Canberra, but teams do tend to make their own luck when they're doing well, and sometimes it goes the other way when things are a bit down. So in terms of the Dragons, Warriors, and Knights, they're yet to play at home, but it's a bit interesting that we're taking this game to the SCG, one of the places that Souths have done well in in previous seasons or yesteryear. Definitely the Warriors and Seagulls, They've got some big-name new recruits in their side that are going to need some time to blend in with... Like, like Tuvasa Shek 
and Dylan Walker on their respective teams uh, have got important parts to play. And they've got playmakers like Sean Johnson and Cherry Evans there as well. So it's a matter of finding those combinations. And we did touch on it with Manly. I, I remember we both said that the first month's going to be interesting. I think this week, Monday Night Football at Brookvale Oval against the Cronulla Sharks, I think they're going to step up. Traditionally, they have the upper on them, and that's an understatement. The Sharks have a 13% winning record at Brookvale since 67, oh. since 1967. Hashtag Shark stats. Yeah, it's five wins in uh, 37 matches there. So that aside, obviously Manly can only improve. I think the crowd and the media over there will really be into them this week, and I think you'll see a pretty close match. Brooksy, I'm getting a little worried about the Knights. Yeah. And I'm not jumping onto the media bandwagon about they'll never win a game this year and all that rubbish that's being sp- spoken of. But I am a little worried that they've, they've had some they've had two bad losses. There's not that many glimpses of uh, hope on the field and the way they're playing at the moment. And there's not a lot of guys really to come back. I mean, there's your fringe first graders that could maybe be given a shot again. I, I'm worried, man. I I don't know what Brown's gonna do. I'm not. I'm not suggesting he can't do something about it. Again, we're only in week two, and these young guys might. The experience will make them better, but I just wonder how long it's going to take. I, I I can see it dragging out throughout the year, and no one really wants that. So I don't really know what the immediate solution is. You want to win games, but I sort of get the feeling that Nathan Brown's almost going in there thinking, at at this stage. I think this home debut against the Raiders on Saturday is key because they've got round four. They're away to the Warriors, and then they're away to the Storm. That's a that that could be a big big fortnight for them in terms of trying to play two of the teams that can really put on some points when you're down. Like they take they they can take advantage of those moments, and and you know you're probably seeing two of us a Sheck fitting in well with Johnson come round four, and you know there were signs against the Broncos, the Warriors looked. Looked all right in that game. There was a few things I didn't really rate the fact that Isaac Luke and Johnson didn't run at the line more, like didn't run at the line as much as they did. But Johnson had one run, which has been uh, pointed out this week in the press. I did look at his stats last year, Brooksy, and as far as the creative try assist line breaks and that kind of thing go, in rounds three and four onwards, he started peaking and creating a lot. The first two weeks, he was pretty quiet. I don't know if you can take that this year and say that's what's going to happen, but he was a slow starter last year as well, Sean Johnson. Yep. So Yeah, that's why I remember seeing like the numbers Johnson compared to Townsend at the Warriors last year, and Townsend mm. was doing a lot of the um, setting mm. up. And, uh, and that's what I think the Warriors liked, that they're going to really push hard later in the season. I like them as a betting option now to probably get on at the moment because they do have a good team. Uh, they're not going to be down in the bottom. And I think if you're looking at a good time to jump on the Warriors, if you like the Warriors' chances, this could be it. They're going home to play the Storm this week. This is, this is, this is the game that they really stand, stand up and play well. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. Where do you see the Roosters, Brooksy? I really like Latrell Mitchell. I think oh, he yeah. has been... A, like, for losing to Vasashek, he's a great replacement, not only for this season, but for the future. I, he's, an ang- he's an angry little cookie. And he's just like... He, he looks stocky, but he's actually quite big. He looks like G.I. <laughs> he's got that... Is the yeah, left hand... Oh, ah. that, that try was amazing to watch. I think he uh, rolled over... I heard he rolled over Lachlan Croker. It was like, welcome to, welcome to the NRL, buddy. And he's only just started last week. What about the halves, Nikarima and Hastings? I, again, I think two two games. We saw them do well over in England, but two games in the NRL. They're gonna they're gonna need a few more games to to click. They've got some guys that will be coming back in in the next couple of months. But you're gonna see Mitchell Pearce come back into it. So I guess one of the guys. I wouldn't mind seeing Nikarima off the bench once Pierce comes in and Hastings takes up that other half spot. So if they can jag a few wins in the meantime, they should they should be thereabouts. I think Pierce comes back round eight, and then you'll see Cordner and Jared Warrior Hargraves come back. So 
again, this is uh, probably not the bottom of what we'll see of the Roosters at the moment. There might be a few more games in which they they might be chalking up some losses. They've got the Cowboys in Townsville on Thursday night. And then they're backing up to play the Seagulls the following round. So they've got a couple, uh, another big fortnight. That's going to be a big match, Naz, if they both go, both the Roosters and Eagles go down this week. Imagine before everything that happened in the offseason thinking that round four would be the 0-3 Roosters at home to the 0-3 Seagulls. Another big talking point from the week, Brooksy, was the defense of the Parramatta Eels against the Cowboys. And that's pretty much what won them, won them the game. And I think as, I think I said it last time we were talking that when you have that home crowd and it's night time at Para and Para's going okay, they're in they're in the hunt. I think this year they could be a team that have that kind of that almost like Shane Flanagan mentality of like you know defense will win you the game. Don't worry about scoring points. And they pretty much that's how they did it. On, on it was an impressive performance for what's going on off the field. You know, the injuries that have happened in round one. They really stood up against the Cowboys. They rattled them. I One area I was watching, and I know that left side, we talked about going down that right side of the Parramatta defense, so the left side of attack. So someone that hasn't been getting credit in recent seasons has been Brad Takarangi. He was rushing up on Linnett. Like they do that, they love that play going to the left, and we touched on it last week how the Broncos really went down that side. I think it's Gutherson on that wing, but Takarangi ran up. He hit Leonard with precision every time he got the ball in the first half. They couldn't get it out there, and I think it was that sweeping play that they looked to do. It was it was a great performance. No one's touched on it yet in the media. I was like. Takarangi has to be given credit here because the game was in the balance in the first half and I remember that um, Sammy doing that flop at halfway that got them the penalty just before halftime that got them the try for the eight-point lead. That was huge. But Takarangi throughout that half shut down every opportunity down that left and that uh, down that left side for the Cowboys and that's where the Cows did all their damage in that comeback win last time they turned up to Pertec. Thurston was kicking over to that side. It was getting some loose ball. It was a great performance from the Eels, and they're not given credit. They haven't been given credit much of what they've done on the field in the past few seasons, but the fans have to be happy with what they saw on Saturday night, and, you know, this could this could really roll on for them. And I was also thinking, too, on the weekend, Shnaz, it was a great spectacle after the game. Eels fans at Pertec, it was like back when the Wanderers won the Asian Champions League, like when or the first leg of the final where everyone was just really enjoying the victory and it's just a sea of black and red, but in this case, blue and gold. A couple of flares here and there. A couple of flares. No flares, in, no flares are allowed anymore, Schnaz. That's a bit taboo, but um, I would have loved to have seen a trophy being presented to Parramatta. The JJ Gilton Shield. A separate trophy. I... Remember talking to some of the rugby boys here in New Zealand in their domestic competition. They have the Ranfurly Shield, a.k.a. the Logger Wood. Basically like a competi- competition and a shield based on a challenge system. So the Premier should hold a shield, right, Schnaz? And then whoever beats them first up then has the shield. And then they hold the shield until they get beaten. And it, go- it bounces around the league. So everyone's a winner pretty much is what you're saying. Does this mean you and all your silly friends are going to stop harassing me for not winning a title? This is, mean- I'm thinking of Sharks fans with this because this could be an opportunity to open up the cabinet, get the feather duster out, move the Amco, move the cup, Amco away. cup away, and any little trophy that you've claimed. Oh, a couple of Dally M's and Rotten Metals go. in there. And you put in, well, maybe for a temporary basis, on a temporary basis, but Brook Shield. I'm, not, I'm just saying that as an example. <laughs> We're not running with this. But it would be a shield that bounces around the league. It promotes normal regular season games throughout the season. Can we get Brook Shields to present the award? It would be amazing. Brook Shields with the Brook Shield. <laughs> and clubs have something to play for throughout the regular season. They're playing Brooke for Brook Shields. Shield. And the Brook Shield. So... 
I want to, I've, I've sort of mentioned it to a few people here, yeah, and it could be something that we could run with in future seasons. I'd love to see it. Imagine, you know, Parramatta go on this amazing win streak and they're holding the Brooks Shield, not Brooks Shields, but... So Brooks Shields is handing the trophy yeah, to Tim Yeah, wouldn't it be great? It, it just, and every week they've got to defend it once they earn the shield. It's something that a team can be proud of just on a regular, just on a uh, regular season game. So, like in round 10, for instance, let's say the Eels go on a nine-game win streak now. They're playing the Rabbitohs at Pertec. They're on a nine-game winning streak. They've got Brook Shields. They've got the Brook Shield. <laughs> Brook Shield. <laughs> Shields, the actress, is going to have to move to Australia. She would love the change, Schnaz. On a weekly basis, she'll be going to ground It would be winter, but it would be amazing for her and her family to come over for six months. She could bounce back and forth from continent to continent. It'd be amazing. She could do Blue Lagoon two or three. Why not? Ride it off. Ride off the trip. It would be it'd be amazing. They were to remake that and Brooke Shields obviously has to be in it. Take an NRL player to be the guy. Who's the guy gonna be? God, you need like don't you need a sandy blonde haired like maybe straight straight to to my mind comes Daily Cherry Evans. I was thinking of getting in the time machine and getting like nineteen ninety five Jeff Toovey. Tweet us if you like the idea of a Brooks Shields. No, let me say again. Tweet, tweet us if you like the idea of a Brooks Shield. Yeah, if we, if there's enough black backlash, we might have to name it something else. But I, I think it, I think it's got some legs again, Schnaz. I, the, it works really well. It has worked really well since 1904 in New Zealand. There's something extra to play for. Nev Campbell Championship. Nev oh, Campbell. Yeah, no, nah, let's let's stick with a name we know. We're rambling on there about the Brookshield, Brookshields. No, we weren't. Section of the podcast, but I want to go th- through some topics that happened over round two and even round one. And I want you to tell me what you think about these moments. Joey Lay Lewis slap slash punch in the play the ball. Those who know me and even those who don't know that I'm obsessed with BJ Lalua and the way he carries himself on and off the field. Who'll ever forget him being in the back of a car and Frank Pritchard on his iPhone recording the moment that he was announcing to the world that BJ was going to Canberra. BJ, I'm obsessed with. He got absolutely hammered by Kane Evans, Dylan Napper. Both of them. And it's Dylan Napper. <laughs> in his concussion state, while on the ground, slap slash punched the defender in the face and then was sin-binned. He's He's king of the niggle. I don't like that. And I agree with you. I'm okay with it, actually, the, the sin bin. You can't strike a player. He struck, he struck a player. Oh, I agree. Next topic, players touching refs. Can't do it. I know everyone's touching each other out there and tackles. and Can't do it. And even celebrating tries or even people celebrating knock-ons. There's a lot of touching going on. You just can't touch a ref. No. Don't even, don't even look like Clemmer. He actually actively went and touched the ref. I think, Brooksy, that at the moment, that there's so many examples of it, I'd be okay if they went, you know what? We're not going to suspend anyone, but from here on in, any touching will result in suspension just because they haven't been overly bad. They haven't been violent or aggressive, really. Jamie Soud on Thursday night, throwing the ball at a penalised player after winning a penalty. What do you think of that? That starts trouble. It's part of the niggle. I don't like it. It's cheap. It's like, yeah, it's when, when the player's walking away and they throw the ball in the back of their head. Yeah, And the player turns thing. around and wants to clock someone. Yep. If we're on the street in your street, I end up dead. That's how that stuff happens. So there's no need for that. I never saw Andrew Eddinghausen doing that growing up. Oh, Andrew Eddinghausen, after a penalty was given, was looking in the crowd, pointing out at row three, section five, where I think there was four ladies sitting in the crowd. He... I don't think I told you this, Brooksy, but on the Shark cast last week, we interviewed Peter Gow. Oh, wow. Lovely, lovely gentleman. El McPherson's father. El McPherson's father. <laughs> a million stories. That's all we know him for, right? No, yeah. no. He's an accomplished businessman. Coaches not using subs. We had Desi with Adam Elliott, and we had Robbo, Trent Robinson, with Ian Henderson down in Canberra. What do you think of that? I don't really know what they're doing on the bench if they're not going to use them. So I understand the fact that they might 
that they can maybe win the game with three guys, not four, but you've named four. Come on, give someone a rest. Desi's pretty good with that. He's done it in the past. I remember Jamie Bureau took about 18 rounds to get his debut back in the Eagles. But what do you think of this? Trent Robinson not using Ian Henderson loses the game. Does he lose the sub next week so he only runs with three guys? I like it. Bring it in. That'll make him use it, especially in the tight games. You've got to use those players. What about people calling the scrum clock and the dropout clock shot clocks? No. I'm, yeah. I'm going to take this one, and being a basketball fan, a shot clock was designed for people shooting the ball. Now that we've got in rugby league, stop calling it a shot clock. Scrum. It's a scrum clock. It's a scrum clock or a dropout clock. You've got to do it before someone takes a dropout or feeds a scrum. You know what would have been good is a shot clock in the 2015 Grand Final when Jonathan Thurston took 11 minutes to take the conversion. Schnaz, it was the end of the season. Let it go, man. That was, that was to build up hype and hysteria. But this, during the game, and I'm going to go to another thing regarding the scrum clock. Refs telling players that the scrum clock's running out. How ridiculous is that? It happened in the Storm Dragons game, not saying that that's why we lost. It's, it's the same as when they say, get on side, get on side, or I'll penalise you. Yeah. Blow the whistle. Use your whistle, don't talk to them. I know that there should be a bit of feedback back and forth, but it's ridiculous telling him not to do things. Like, you don't see a referee going up to Steph Curry going, oh, you got four seconds to go until the shot clock expires. You might want to get one off from 33 feet. Like, it's ridiculous. Anyway... That, yeah, that didn't pain me in round one at all. And I guess that's it. Well, we got through a few topics there. That was pretty good. I think this could be incorporated uh, on a week-to-week basis. So, Brooksy, teams have been announced for round three. Quite a few changes, quite a few surprises. Let me just ask you this. Billy Slater, gone for the, gone for the year is what I'm hearing. Yeah, six to eight months, shoulder surgery. Obviously, that shoulder's not right. Your man Munster's going to be... Uh, Pretty important, as is the league lives. The league lives, our Curtis Scott. Curtis is also Scott, gonna they're feature. both going to be playing a lot of football over the course of the season. And look, Mun- Munster, we've seen last year, we've seen in round two, he can fit in nicely. The Storm, they do lose Slater, oh, one of the best fullbacks ever. But Cameron Munster's exciting and and Curtis Scott, it allows him to get some game time as well. He's going to be partnered up with Will Chambers, possibly one of the best centers in the league. We're talking about a guy who played SG Ball last year. Yeah, but he's got the talent. Like, obviously, the Storm like what they see in him and giving him an opportunity. Oh, I 100% agree, but I'm just saying, what an amazing feat. What an amazing young dude he must be to go from that to NRL. And he's had a few shaky moments, but he's been pretty good. He's got one of the best centers with him, Will Chambers. On Sunday against the Titans, he destroyed Josh Hoffman. I think there was five missed tackles Hoffman had on Chambers. It was like a pit bull on a poodle schnaz. It was ridiculous. He's come from SG Ball. I think there's no better center to sort of emulate than Chambers at the moment. And I I really like that these guys are being blooded in whilst Cameron Smith and Cooper Cronk are there. It's giving them an opportunity to refresh going forward in future seasons and, and allow these guys to pick up a lot of that knowledge from their veterans. As you know, I'm fascinated by the coaches in the NRL and as a Sharks fan on the weekend, uh, a lot of people were talking to me about Curtis Scott and how could they let him go. And I said to them, first of all, he was offered the most money as a Sharks under-18 player in the history of the club and he turned it down. And also, he wants to play NRL. Shane Flanagan is notorious for letting these guys bide their time in lower grades for years. Not like a year, but for years. And he looked at the team ahead of him, and, and there's already a bunch of guys who can't get into the team. Got Gerard Bill on the bench. He saw Melbourne, and he saw a coach that isn't afraid to throw in a young guy. Jordan McLean's been, been going great for a couple of years now. Cameron Munster last year. Yeah, so... The mentality is, if he'd stayed at Cronulla, he'd be playing for Newtown at best. Oh, he's in an amazing situation, and and that's the whole thing that they've got down at the Storm. We touched on it again last week with the whole Bellamy and Smith being intense characters. It would be a great environment to be in to learn. So if you're Curtis Scott, 
this is an amazing opportunity for him to step up and play in a really good side. I don't like calling this podcast the Dragon Den, but sometimes it is the Dragon Den. Let's talk about your Dirty Dragons for just a short moment. Kurt Mann, coming off a horror game, unfortunately for the young fella, has been ruled out. And Josh Dugan, who for me just is unimpressive as a centre, is back at fullback, which is where he belongs. He can be active and he can be dominant. And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Mary's got the round three backflip going on again this year. Remember last year, Trent Merrin, he tried him off the bench. Got some results, but the I guess the overall review of it was that he needs to start. And this is where the Dragons started doing well last year after a shaky first couple of rounds in 2015. If he's strong if he feels strong about man being fullback then when man comes back i think he's got an ankle injury that could keep him out one to two weeks then man might slot back at fullback but in the meantime this is opportunity to get dukes back at fullback and like we've touched on before he has played well in fullback in previous seasons he's represented his state at fullback he needs to be there whilst man is out in the meantime but yeah we'll see what happens there we talked about Newcastle before, and let's touch on them again. This guy, for me, unfortunately, is really treading water in the NRL. We all love him, but Kula Iwate has been picked again. He's really offering not much at all. We know he can be a powerhouse. He really should still be in the caliber of your Rad Radras, and I hate to pigeonhole wingers here, but he's a great, a great wing. They're both great wingers. But he's really not. He's lost his whatever confidence he had. He's lost it. Yeah, he he missed seven tackles last week against the Rabbitohs. I just here. I, I think a good way to describe his performance is look at Aaron Gray's numbers from last week. He ran for 143 meters. He had 13 tackle busts, four line breaks, and three tries. So he busted 13 tackles. The Knights as a team busted 13 tackles in that game. Schnoz. Uate missed roughly seven of them. You know, I am surprised with what Brownie has said in the past few weeks that he has picked Uate because that, to me, is one of the worst winging performances I've seen over the past few years. Oh, we just wanted to give a shout-out too while we're on the topic. One of our colleagues, Harry Ramage, has started a Newcastle Knights podcast for you Knights fans out there. It's called the Steel City Podcast. And he's talking on a week-to-week basis specifically about the night, so check that out. I had a chat with him on the weekend, and he's um, he's really enthusiastic about it. I was giving him lots of confidence, saying, keep going with it, it sounds great. And yeah, all you Knights fans, definitely tune into the, what's it called, the Steel Podcast. Steel City Podcast. Steel City Podcast, yeah. If he's looking to blood a few players, this probably would have been a good opportunity to do so. Just put Uate in New South Wales Cup for a week. I saw Sione Matayutia has been named on the bench. So let's not necessarily rule out a late-minute swap, a last-minute swap for him on the wing for Uate. But yeah, I, I, when, I, when I was watching that game, he was a shadow of the man he used to be, Uate. That's a great way of describing it, Brooksy, and... It disappoints me because I like watching him. He's a he's a great player to watch when he's in full flight. Uh, he's not alone there in that Knights team, but you would think they need their senior players to stand up. Otherwise, they're not really earning the vast money they're probably on. All right, so then some of the major talking points from round three. Let's go through the game, Schnaz. Oh, before we go through the games of round three, I just want to give a shout-out to my fellow colleague here at the League Life, Schnaz. How many of the games did you tip right last week, Schnaz? Oh, look, I tipped eight out of eight. <laughs> he nearly last week gave the Eels the upset on the pod. And then, remember, we were trying to, like, you were, you were talking them up, you were talking them up, you didn't do it. You, oh, I look at the tipping comp we're in, and Schnaz with a big eight next to his name. Congratulations, mate. It's a mean feat trying to get eight in this era. Yeah, I did it right before the deadline, actually, the, of the, the 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 round closing. So there wasn't much thought going on. Just pick, 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 pick. Oh, it's a it's a great effort. I got six, but the two were obviously the Dragons and the Cowboys, two of which you six I mean, is good. Yeah, six is great. 
But um, the funny thing was, Shanaz, I picked round two before round one started That's because weird. I hate when you're in tipping comps or fantasy and you and you set up, you're there for the first week and you get all excited and you tip, tip, tip and then you forget the next week and then you're out. And the guy that sent it up, Brent Frankish, who we work with, put in that you get zero if you don't submit any tips. None of this away tip crap that happens in some tipping comps. He was like, you don't submit, you get no points, which is great. I tipped before round one. In round one, I got four out of eight. Round two, I got six. So I might be tipping every fortnight just so I can get a slow build each fortnight. But um, If you need any help, just come see me. Yeah, Schnaz is on a tear, guys. If you need any tipping advice, just tweet him. So we've got Cowboys Roosters on Thursday up in Townsville. On Friday night, big one, Bulldogs v. Eels out at ANZ. Saturday, we've got another triple header. We've got Knights Raiders into Panthers Broncos in the Titans West Tigers. And then Sunday... We've got the Warriors Storm and the Dragons Rabbitohs. What a good Sunday ticket that'll be, Shanaz. And on Monday, Seagull Sharks at Brookie to finish off the round. Which games have you, other than Monday night have you highlighted as being the ones to watch? I like the fact that Canary play the Eels. There's a lot of history there. The Dogs have been pretty good this year for me. I'm As people who listen to this podcast know, I'm not a huge Dogs man the last few years, but they've been good this year. Moses and Bye. He's been great. Even my man Josh Reynolds has stepped up a little bit. I hate to say it. Uh, so so I want to see how they're going to travel throughout the season. Parramatta, if we've discussed, they're, we're hoping they're a new entity. I mean, every year they start, start pretty good and sort of drop off. But So I think that'll be great. I think all the fans will get out there for Friday night ANZ. Penrith-Brisbane as well. Uh, historically, I think Brisbane struggle a little bit out at Penrith. So... Panthers need a win. Griffin and Wallace playing against their old clubs. The Buddy Garrity of the NRL looking over it all from his perch up in the grandstand. Wallace has been named at hooker. We were talking about last week that Peachy was named hooker. Wallace so, did really well. Yeah. Had and, a good game. And so this is only the fourth time that he's been named as hooker in the mm. match. But uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens there. What do you think of the dragons Rabbitohs at the SCG? Schnaz? I'm actually going to be attending that game. Really? A lot yeah. of history out there. The thing about the SCG is it's not the greatest place to watch rugby league. It's it's great in the sense of the history and it looks wonderful. But when you're in the far corner or whatever and you're in that circular ground, it's not really designed for rugby league. Having said that, I don't want to be a downer. What do I think? Oh, you've downed. Don't worry about that. I think you're going to be Owen still, my friend. That's what I think. <laughs> and and the Rabbitohs will be three and Owen. Yep. Three Owens. Rabbitohs are going well. I just want to big up the Rabbitohs too. We didn't really touch on them before. 90 points in the opening two rounds. I think the last team to do it, like going back to the New South Wales Rugby League, was Balmain back in the 30s, like 1935 or something. Sam Burgess has been... He was against the Knights and he's been amazing for them. He's really helped that forward pack. The, the real test will be against the competitive team, which they haven't faced yet. Having said that, you which can't... they might start competing, in, which they might start facing in round four. To be honest, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> but you, you can only play who you're given, and uh, I think that, yeah, for me they're almost under the radar. I don't know if that's a strange thing to say or not, but yeah, it's strange. That that is, okay, that is a lot of points to score, and they defended pretty good. So no complaints from South fans, I would imagine. I even saw Michael Maguire smile in the coaching box. If they win and the Bulldogs win, they're playing each other round four on Friday afternoon the following week, Easter Friday. That'll be a cracker. That'll be a cracker. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be good. I'm really looking forward to the Warriors' storm. We did touch on it before that Slater's out. Warriors in front of their home crowd playing one of the best teams of the last decade. Two of us, Sheck, Isaac Luke, at home for the first time. In the NRL, I think this is going to be a really good game. I, I think Sunday, again, we've got another barnstorming Sunday ticket on Fox Sports. Vossi with those two games, Dragons, Rabbitohs, Warriors, Storm is going to be awesome. And yeah, I, I want to see how Manly go against your guys. I think it's important. It's an, I think it's an important game for Manly. Uh, geez, the old Illawarra Steelers players aren't doing well as coaches this year, are they? Paul McGregor and Trent Barrett. Oh, Owen Barrett and Owen McGregor. Yeah, it's it's pretty much reflecting our um, our time in the rugby league premiership. Is there another Steeler out there? Who's the other Steeler? 
There's Nathan oh, Brown is oh, also yeah. Owen too, but he's he so was St. George. St. George. George Illawarra Dragons Owen six as coaches. Let let's change the suburb of Cogra to the name Owen. I'm driving through Owen now, I'll be in the Shire soon. There's one more thing that we want to talk about. New Brown with his phone. New Brown's now got a new phone. What happened? Well, for those who don't know New Brown, he's a very talented young shark. He missed last year with a season-ending knee injury. So what happened was he and Valentine Holmes... Both their phones ran out of battery or something well, simultaneously? Well, you know what it's like with iPhones. And, and you can see it in the Fox Sports Department. We're all fighting over a iPhone charger. No one's ever got one for themselves. I know young Rachel behind They're me. like $40 each. You go to an Apple store and you go, can I get a charger? And they're like, no worries. Give us a pineapple and we'll give you 10 bucks back. The cheap ones are like 15 20 bucks. Oh, see, that, that's where I'm going wrong. Young Rachel sits behind me. She says, Sam, can I? Yeah, Rachel, here you go. Now, Valentine and New, two great young sharks, they were fighting over the charger. They heard that putting, I think they Googled it maybe, and putting an iPhone in the microwave charges it for one second. One second you're charged. Now, New must have had a few hits to the head or something in his ear off because it exploded. He's had a brownout. And when, <laughs> when asked about it, his reply was, yeah, I did, bro. Fully stupid. Hey, I really don't know why I did it. It was dead. I had no charger. Now, he's a great young man. Really nice kid. Family man. I love him. He'll learn from this. And we've all learnt not to put a phone into a microwave. I love it. The quote on his Facebook page was amazing. Like, it, it actually, he posted out to his friends about what was said. Do you I've, got it, I've got it here. Yeah. So, i seen a video on Facebook that if you put your iPhone in the microwave for one sec, it will charge your phone. It looks fully legit. So, what I did do, I put my phone in the microwave and neck minute, it blew up. <laughs> Glad Apple Store looked after me and replaced my phone. Thumbs up. Hashtag, why so stupid? Some fobs just don't think. So he's having a laugh. He's having yeah, a laugh it, at himself. He's a good it, young kid. Yeah. It's something you'd see out of uh, Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels in a Dumb and Dumber movie, but... Look, he's a role model and all young shark fans now know not to do that. So all those kids at Woolaware High who looking for a charger... They're not going to put it in a microwave. It's good to see that we're talking about situations like this rather than what's happened in the off-season and early mm. in the season. So, mm. yeah, good stuff, New. Brooksy, it's been my pleasure, as always, to do The League Life with you. This is episode 13. Please tell us how our listeners can get in touch with us because we love when they get in touch with us and we thank them for every message they've been sending. We are all over the place now, Schnaz. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're now on Stitcher. And Pocket Cast, you can catch us there. So our main social media ports are Facebook. We're on the page The League Life with Brooksy and Schnaz. We're on Twitter, at League Life NRL. And that's the same for Instagram. We're at League Life NRL. We're posting photos and stats on our Instagram account. So get following us there. Schnaz, it's been real. It's been my pleasure, Owen. Oh, God. All right. Until next time. Jerry, see you, see you later. Marcus, bye for now, my friend. Take it away, boss. So, Come on, take it away. So to go to a break on the NRL Sunday ticket. Here it is. Up, up, Cronulla, the boys in the black, white and blue. Up, up, Cronulla, name of the Sharks with you. Sharks, Sharks forever. Go out and play without fear. Now's the time to see good football for the Sharks.